This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. I'm Zach, joined as always by my good friend, Josh, fellow lover of Breaking Pod and someone who is uh, parenting a young baby who's trying to learn how to sleep. So he might have to duck out at a random point in this podcast and we'll have to put the whole show on pause. Other than that, uh, losing a little bit of sleep here and there, I imagine, Josh, but how are you? I'm good. No, no pause for our listeners, though. We'll, we'll use some uh, editing magic. There oh, it'll be so sure magical. It'll be like, wow, was he even gone? It'll that baby, what, what a magical baby. Yes, and, and you said fellow lover breaking pot. Yes, I am of, of oh, our sorry, podcast. breaking but bad, I, yeah. <laughs> but I do love our podcast. It's great. It's so much fun, and I love doing it. And I can't believe we have, what, six episodes left, including this one? It's crazy, isn't it? We are so close. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, the plan is to record, obviously, the final episodes of this, and then we'll do one kind of overall recap wrap-up episode where we discuss everything we've talked not everything we've talked about but some of the highlights of things we talked about and just do a big retrospective look back on the on the show so we've got seven more episodes of breaking pod that we'll be releasing on this feed and you can look forward to enjoying all of those in the near future including this yeah. one right here yeah and i was thinking that you know i i think we were texting a little bit about this but you know i was re-watching these these episodes you know season five episode 11 that we're talking about today and I remember watching this back half of season five in real time when it was happening. And so rewatching it and being able to really like, you know, dive deep into everything here, I'm really appreciating and remembering things that I did not remember. You know, there, there are certain plot points in this episode and then the next episode that we'll talk about in the next episode of this podcast that I just didn't remember happening. And it's kind of fun to like revisit something and be surprised again. You know, we're going to talk, I think, in depth about, you know, what this title of the episode is about, Confessions, and the confession that that Hank and Marie watch. And I for, totally forgot what that was. Like, I, I was like, wait, what? You know, like, I was shocked, and which is kind of fun when you have seen a show, but then can revisit it and still be surprised. Yeah, we'll talk about that whole scene, but that is one of the most powerful ones to me. And I remember uh, watching it for the first time, too, and just realizing, oh, my goodness, this just leveled up in a way I never thought possible. And in a way that I think is really impressive because the viewer doesn't see it coming, at least not the first time you see it through, right? I mean, I barely see it coming the second time I watch it through, right? And now I'm on my fourth rewatch or third rewatch, fourth time through, I think. Uh, and so I knew it was coming, um, but you know, no less jarring in many respects because it's just, yeah. it's such a powerful moment. Yeah, it is a great moment. Well, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to dive too deep too soon, but I just wanted to say like, it's been fun to rewatch this back half of, of season five, and I'm excited to keep watching it. Yeah, well, let's dive in. Season five, episode 11, Confessions. We'll do the, you know, what we're now calling the one-minute summary or less uh, from Wikipedia, and we'll grade that, and we'll go on to our other content. So here we go, courtesy of Wikipedia. Jesse refuses to cut a deal with Hank. At an arranged meeting in public, Walt, Skyler, Hank, and Marie try to negotiate. When Walt's attempts to negotiate with Hank fail... He leaves Hank and Marie with a DVD of Walt implicating Hank as the mastermind of the methamphetamine business. Walt offers Jesse money to leave town for good and assume a new identity. Jesse agrees until he realizes that Saul took the rice and cigarette from him so that Walt could poison Brock. Jesse lapses into a rage, breaks into the white home, and douses it with gasoline. The end. Josh, what letter grade do you give this summary? 
Yeah, this is okay. I think that it's not the summary that's giving me problems, but I know that you had you had this thought as well. But the whole thing with the rice and cigarette, I think we might need to to break that down a little bit because I'm not and I'm not entirely sure what happened. And and having this is like my second watch of I, this is my second time through watching Breaking Bad, and I, I still can't figure out like he pulled out a pack of cigarettes. And then he realized with that, was that the pack of cigarettes that, that the rice and cigarette had been in? Was it in the bag? Like, I'm, I'm a little confused, like, what happened there? No, so I think what happened, I mean, and I'll just say, this is my nit to pick on this episode. And it's kind of a big nit because so much of the episode hinges on this. But yeah. um, Jesse, when he's waiting to be picked up by the vacuum man, the disappearer, as uh, Saul calls him earlier in the show, he is looking for the weed that was in his jacket. Right. Can't find the weed. All he can find in his jacket is this carton, this this box of cigarette pack of cigarettes. So it's not that pack of cigarettes is not related to the pack of cigarettes that um he had the rice in violin. Right. Okay. I see now. Yeah, but image makes him realize I think I think there's two things that kind of jog his memory. One, I don't have the weed on me, so Huel must have lifted it. And two, I found these cigarettes, but now I'm thinking, what about these cigarettes that I had, including the rice in one? When I originally suspected that Saul had had Huel lift it from me, and Saul swear that he didn't, etc., now I'm realizing he must have. But my my nit with this whole thing is that this is apparently the moment at which Jesse realizes, oh, Huel did lift the ricin off of me so that Walt could poison Brock. But the thing is, Walt didn't poison Brock with ricin. We know that, right? It, it was Lily of the Valley, that poisonous berry. And Jesse knows that, more importantly, because... They figured out the toxin and were able to give Brock the antitoxin. They diagnosed it as a poisonous fruit called Lily of the Valley. So even if even if Saul had lift or Saul had directed Huel to lift the ricin off of Jesse, that doesn't change the material fact that Brock wasn't poisoned by ricin. So like nothing nothing has really changed here except um, Jesse knows now or suspects now that Huel had lifted the pack of cigarettes that had the ricin. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think the only explanation I have for you is that Jesse makes a realization that if Walt lied about the rice and cigarette, which is what he's discovering here, because remember, they supposedly found it in the Roomba when right. they were cleaning up the house. The second if time. If he lied, <laughs> right, right. If he had actually lied about that, then maybe he, he lied about doing the poisoning himself. Like if he went to the trouble of trying to lift the rice and cigarette. I mean, the whole thing is kind of convoluted. And in fact, like this whole, despite the fact that I, I think it's powerful in in its execution because of what it means for the show, I do think it's a little clumsy. And I think that's part of the issue here at the end. All of this is to say, I never gave a grade to the two-minute summary. <laughs> True. I think it's it's fine. It's C plus. I don't know. When I when I think they're just fine, I just give it right down the middle. Yeah, I think that's that's right. I'll agree with the C plus thing. The one thing I uh, I didn't like here was how Walt implicated Hank as the mastermind of the methamphetamine business, as in like <laughs> the all, entire thing, all methamphetamine across the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is not what the uh, confession uh, suggested. <laughs> right. This this uh the summary sort of dates the show too. He gives him a DVD. Right. Future yeah. future people are going to read that and be like, we're going to need that hyperlinked yeah, because exactly. otherwise, it's not currently hyperlinked. But what is a DVD? We need a, either a Blu-ray or a digital file, a Netflix documentary, right? Something yeah, just like, like a YouTube video, a dot M4P video <laughs> file or something. Yeah, you know, an unlisted YouTube link. 
Yeah, exactly. that's, that's something that's like the that. best one. I like that. Um, yeah. Going back real quick to the ricin thing. I think you're right that and that does kind of help clarify things a little bit for me. So he's realizing, oh, so he did lift the cigarette. Walt pretended that we found the cigarette in the Roomba. That was a lie. What else is he hiding from me, et cetera? And so I get I, I see what you're saying. I think the problem, though, is it's a lot for Jesse to put together in that moment. And that moment happens in like five seconds. Well, so I agree with you. And where I was going next is that Jesse is clearly not in a good frame of mind, period. And so I almost think, can he, is he thinking critically about all of that in the first place? Or is he just like, oh, yeah, the ricin, the ricin was gone. Brock was poisoned. It must have been Walt. You know, is, is it that simple? Like, are we, are we overcomplicating things because we're, doing mirror imaging and putting ourselves in Jesse's right. shoes. Whereas Jesse is like, I don't know, running on four hours of sleep in the past 48 and like right. yeah, clearly yeah. just an absolute wreck. Yeah. I think the other tough thing about this scene, like when he's about to, to get out of Dodge, it's just like, you just feel so bad. You're yeah. like, you're so close to, to escaping. And, and as Saul says, you know, if you miss your chance with this guy, it never comes around again. Now we'll see if that's true. Maybe in a, maybe in a sequel to breaking bad, but you know, it's it's still like a it's like, Jesse, you're so close to escaping. And and, you know, unfortunately, this thing comes up. So I know we'll talk a little bit more about, I, you know, the confrontation with Saul was one of my one of my picks for one of our categories here. But can I can I bring up one more thing that we're not going to talk about here yeah. in, in the rest of our categories? But, you know, we've now mentioned Huel twice as being like this amazing pickpocket. <laughs> like he's a <laughs> big a dude point. for being yeah. he's a big dude for being such a good pickpocket. Like he's now successfully lifted the cigarettes and the weed off of Jesse with the no one seeming to notice. So I definitely get it in the case of the ricin because Huel pats guys down before they go in to right, see Saul, right? right? But, but still, he's got to get into the jacket. Well, or yes, the, but and in the case of the weed, Huel would not pat Jesse down after he's right. yeah to leave. Right? He's like, oh, let me make sure you're not carrying <laughs> while you leave Saul's yeah. office. So yeah, it's it, that's even tougher to believe. Man, um, impressive guy, though. Seriously, I know. Uh, skills. Um, <laughs> all right, let's do some trivia and bloopers here. Um, this is number 24 on the ringers list, which I have to be honest, feels pretty low for, for what goes on in this episode. And I get that yeah. they're like evaluating them one at a time rather than, you know, what, how much tension are they driving at this point, you know, in the yeah. series arc, et cetera. But I still think that this, this show, even just taking into account the individual elements, is better than number 24. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this episode is also Aaron Paul's submission for Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series in the 2013 Emmy Awards. Uh, it was his fifth nomination, and he won. So this is an impressive Aaron Paul performance, at least judging by the standards of the Emmy Awards Committee. Um, there's the scene uh, when when Walt realizes that Jesse is headed towards his house, probably to kill him. There's that scene where Walt has to run into the car wash and <laughs> tell a stupid, stupid horribly unbelievable lie about how the <laughs> latch is catching on the vending machine and he gets his revolver out of there. Um, and then he's like, Oh, you know what? I just realized I, I, I have a prescription to, to get. So I'm, I'm just going to go do that. That's, that's classic Walter white lying. Right exactly. There. That's what we've talked about. Like it's his tell, right? When he just yeah. starts babbling nonsense, you're like, dude, shut up and tell the truth. And I have to say, just spoiler alert for the next episode, it gets even worse when he tries to <laughs> yeah. talk about the gasoline that Jesse oh my goodness. spills in this episode. It's so bad. Um, okay, so uh, anyway, back to that car wash scene. The guy who's talking to Skyler when he comes in is apparently Miller Drexler, goes by Mickey, Mickey Drexler, who at the time of the show was the CEO and chairman of the J. Crew Group, as in the apparel company. Um, is he a he, big Breaking Bad fan? I he must be right. He must be like he must he must somehow know Vince Gilligan was like, oh, can, is there any way I can get on as a cameo? Yeah. 
I mean, like, it's not like no one, it's not like anyone really knows who this guy is. No one's watching. Yeah. It. I was like, wow, that's Mickey Draxler, you know, um, <laughs> except for all of his friends. Yeah, they exactly. Like, wow, you're on Breaking Bad. I just, I just recently watched La La Land and there's, uh, you know, J.K. Simmons kind of, um, it's, it's, I guess it's a little more than most cameos are, but he is the owner of the, uh, piano lounge in which yeah. Ryan Gosling works and then it quickly gets fired. And it's like a quick cameo from, uh, from him. And, but everyone knows that's J.K. Simmons. Like, no right, one knows right. this is Mickey Drexler, but, <laughs> but there you go. Um, someone knows, Zach. Someone knows. <laughs> someone knows. I mean, clearly, because it's on IMDb. Uh, right. This is funny. Um, if you if you have it up on Netflix, uh, at the 13-minute, 40-second mark, roughly, Hank is pouring himself a drink at his wet bar in his house. <laughs> when, when we first see the wet bar, there's this, like, big, sizable, like, probably two feet by three feet picture above the bar. And then we see him just a second later from another angle. That picture is totally gone, which is a pretty pretty big that continuity seems one. Strange. Yeah, I'm just like, how how did you guys miss that? You know, what did it fall down? And they're like, Dad, don't don't put it back <laughs> yeah. up. I don't have the time. Exactly. Um, and then uh, so I, I guess I've got a couple like kind of broader thoughts and themes here to go over as well. Um, oh no, actually, yeah, this is kind of a broader thought and theme, but also a trivia thing. At this point in the series, we've had. Betsy Brandt as um, Marie wearing purple, as we've talked about, right? Um, and this is where she starts wearing black, and her character wears black from this point forward, which obviously has like some dark connotations, uh, grieving, funeral, um, foreshadows some later events in the series, et cetera. But that's that's pretty interesting in itself, I think. Um, the video confession in this episode parallels the beginning because recall the pilot episode of Breaking Bad starts with this. Uh, my name is Walter Hartwell White. I live at 308 Negra Arroyo Lane, Albuquerque, New Mexico, 87104. To all law enforcement entities, this is not an admission of guilt. So that is how the show starts. And this is what we get in the confession in this episode. My name is Walter Hartwell White. I live at 308 Negra Arroyo Lane, Albuquerque, New Mexico, 87104. So uh, pretty pretty fun parallel there between the two. I mean, he opens with the, the same exact words. Obviously, the first one, he's rather frantic. He's literally standing there in his underwear as he thinks the police are bearing down on him. And in this one, he's very calm, cool, and collected and pinning the blame entirely on someone else. Um, so so I, I just thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah, I just have one of my nits to pick from this episode is the confession tape, not, not the content, which I think is excellent and just such a great moment in the show, but... Anytime anybody records anything on like a video camera where they're sitting Good at point. least 15 feet from <laughs> the camera and they're using the on camera mic, it's like his audio is near perfect. And if you were like, there's no way yeah. it would be like echoey, you know, like it, it's just totally unrealistic. I was, just at least show us a little clip on mic there. That would that would make me feel better. How do you know he doesn't have a clip on mic concealed there? <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. That wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Walt. Yeah, the, uh, the professional like video editor yeah. uh, Heisenberg. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that's a great nit to pick because we obviously saw it's just a camcorder. That's it. And, yeah. And we know that I mean, we have no reason to believe that he knows how to uh do a more complicated right, exactly. you know, in line mic. He's a so. chemist, not a videographer. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that is kind of a a little point where you have to kind of suspend realism a little bit. Um, I think Betsy Brandt's acting in this episode is fantastic. I think she kind of wins the episode, which is remarkable given that we have um, Dean Norris, Anna Gunn, Brian Cranston, and Betsy Brandt all at the table together in that very tense scene. 
we have the confession on tape. We have Hank reacting to the confession. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I think Betsy Brandt is really, really good. Um, and like I said, wins the episode. So I just want to kind of commend her for that. I, I will not keep you in suspense. I'm not going to give her the MVP because I think Ooh, the yikes. way the way her character plays out in this show, it's not it's it's going to be hard for her to to get to that point where she's MVP. Sure. But yeah, just yeah. from a sheer acting standpoint, I think Bessie Brandt really deserves some uh, some unheralded praise. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you, and I know that I'll just spoil this up front too. I'm not going to give it to Walt Jr. Either. Oh well, I, I was wondering. I was wondering. <laughs> there's a there's but an extended say, scene with him. I will say, like, we're not going to talk about that scene, but I do think it, you got to feel bad for the kid. Like, think, I mean, he's still, his character is still in high school. His dad is telling him his cancer is back. I mean, this is a guy he looks up to. I mean, it's his male role model for, you know, unfortunately, lack of a better role model in his life. But he's like hearing that his dad is probably going to die this time. I mean, and that's what he's taking away from it. And, you at least have to feel bad for Walt Jr., even if the acting may be a little subpar, and even if the character is pretty unremarkable to the larger plot of the show. And also, I still can't get over the fact that he looks like he's 30, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> that is what it is. All right, so RJ Mitty winning some sympathy points <laughs> from you, Josh. Good. But not good enough for an MVP. <laughs> not right? good enough. Uh, still will be at zero after this uh, episode. That's right. Um, so I have like one more quick question for you, and then you know we're we're taking our sweet time here. There's a lot to talk about. I want to get to the actual scenes and moments, et cetera. But why at this point in the show, why do you think Skylar is going along with this? The confession, especially, is a really, really, really big step for Skylar. I think to agree to. I mean, effectively guaranteeing that even if they get off scot free, there will not be a relationship with Hank and Marie period ever right i mean it's just it's done at that point um so so what is it you think that is making her go along with this i mean i watch her and i'm like okay you know battered spouse syndrome etc i can kind of see how you'd go along with some of this stuff i can see how if you're not familiar with the gritty gritty details of what's going on you could convince yourself that like there's some nobility in that or that it's really not as bad as everyone thinks etc but now she's party to this confession which is one of the most horrible things Walt has done to date, I think, um, only under the times that he has, you know, commissioned the killing of a human, which I guess has happened at this point, given all the, counting all the people in prison. It's, it's a lot of times. It's like north of a dozen. So maybe not, I won't say one of the most heinous, but it's up there right below all the murders. Uh, and Skyler just go along, goes along with it. So what do you think is motivating that? What's going on there? Yeah, this is hard. I guess what I would say is that I think about it like both of them have been digging a hole for themselves and Walt's hole is extremely deep at this point. You know, he has just continued every time he has an opportunity to come out of it. You know, someone throws a rope down, you can get out. He just continues digging instead. And I think Skylar is digging a hole as well. Hers isn't quite as deep, but she's now to the point where it's not easy to just pull yourself out of it. And I think that at this point she doesn't see I don't want to say that it's like that battered spouse syndrome, like she doesn't feel like she has a choice because of Walt, but I think she feels like she doesn't have a choice because of her own decision making. Like at this point, she has now, you know, aided and abetted him and performed the money laundering, which is a serious crime. She knows about his meth operation. She knows that at least he's been involved in murder, whether or not she knows the extent of that. 
And so at this point, I think she's realizing that, you know, there's no way out of this for her. And so there's no salvaging the relationship with Marie after what we saw last episode where Marie confronted her and she just said she was sorry. And Marie, you know, like that was the, the break in their, you know, sisterly relationship. And I don't think it's coming back from that. So I don't, for me, this isn't like, it is a pretty heinous thing they're doing, but it, to me, it's not one of those things that is going to, it's not like the huge, huge step that is going to cause a break at this point. Yeah, I can kind of see that. We might have more to talk about on that point, too, with the next episode, Rabbit Dog, because there's an interesting interaction between um, Walt and Skyler along along similar similar lines, but I think it's perhaps even more revealing about Skyler's character. So we'll just kind of put that on pause and revisit that next, next uh, episode, perhaps. Let's go ahead and go into best scene and then best moment, best writing. Josh, you chose Jesse when he's, he's dragged out to the desert to meet with Walt. I mean, I've got a little bit of that dialogue here. Just ask me for a favor. Just tell me you don't give a shit about me. And it's either this, it's either this, or you'll kill me the same way you killed Mike. This is, this is one of those scenes where, again, on my second rewatch, I didn't remember exactly how this played out. And I was caught a little bit by surprise that this was Jesse's reaction. And I love that this is his reaction. This is not something you expect from him, but he essentially calls Walt out on, on his BS. And he says like, just stop, like stop the whole concerned dad thing. He even says those words. And I just love the power dynamic shift here. And I, I think what I especially love about this is I I love that it's staged in the desert, you know, this, you know, this very arid landscape that is just totally devoid of any life outside of them, which I think is, is sort of metaphorically connected to like what we're feeling like neither, none of these characters have any real life inside them anymore. So I like that it's staged there, but I think what I like about the scene mostly, in addition to the excellent acting and just the, you know, the whole construction of the scene is that after all of this, Walt, doubles down on his manipulation and like does that fatherly hug at the end which is not what jesse wants but i think what he needs at that moment if that makes any sense like he needs someone to comfort him in like a physical way and he gets that from walt and so despite not wanting to be controlled he allows himself to because he needs to feel taken care of and i just feel like that the whole scene was just like super powerful totally went in a different direction than I remembered it going. And I just really liked it. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. And the, the whole Walt, Jesse, father, son dynamic is one that we've talked about so much on this show. But I also think there's, there's kind of more to talk about that on along those lines next episode too, because Walt ends up being more protective of Jesse than I would have otherwise thought. Right. Um, and, and that's what we can talk about. I think tomorrow or not tomorrow, but, uh, later this week in the next episode but the fact that he pushes back against not one but two people who independently suggest that maybe jesse just needs to kind of meet his end is really interesting to me and suggests that like maybe walt does care more about jesse than i often give him credit for even if it's not in jesse's best interest that he does right so i think that's good and i think that your scene illustrates that really well because walt's clearly trying to manipulate jesse and yet Walt also i think cares about jesse 
Um, and we as the viewer are still wondering, like, is this actually genuine? Was he going to kill Jesse out here in the desert? I tend to think, given what we're going to learn next episode, that no, he never wanted to kill Jesse out in the desert, right? That's not what it was about. But Jesse really thought, I'm totally expendable to Walt, and he's going to kill me. And that's what Jesse thinks in the next episode as well. So uh, I think it's a great selection for best scene. Well, I think, too, that the, the the biggest point here is that I think Jesse is both right and wrong. Yeah. I think he's right in that Walt is doing this for selfish reasons. Totally. He wants Jesse out of the picture in a way that makes him feel good and gets rid of the problem. That means Jesse leaving and assuming a new identity. What he's not right about is that Walt will kill him otherwise, which at this point we don't think is the case. And the only other thing I have to say about the scene is that I'll just say my only other nitpick in this episode is that at one point Saul tries to intervene because he's there too. And Walt says, could you just take a walk and like leave us alone? And Saul maybe takes like three, three yeah, steps so away so, and like he just turns his back. It's like, you but then really take a he walk, turns Saul. his back, but then throughout their conversation, he keeps turning <laughs> yeah. back. Like he looks at them and he can yeah. clearly hear everything they're saying. Cause he's not well, from them at all. As we know about Saul, he's very self-interested and he certainly doesn't want to be caught in a crossfire of any potential violence. Oh, so he's sure. probably mostly looking out for himself there, but I just thought it was funny. Walt's like, take a walk. And he's like, all right, three steps away is a good enough walk for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've taken yeah. a walk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right, so my best scene, no audio from this, but just briefly, there's a moment in which Walt comes into the car wash to talk to Skylar, and Skylar's sitting in the office of the car wash. She's not doing. She's not at the customer service register. She's sitting in the sort of management office, and she is sitting in a dark room but looking towards the window. So the way the camera's staged, she's wearing a white blouse, and her whole face is illuminated, so she is like in the light, literally. Walt walks in, you actually never see his face in focus, and for for the whole part of the scene, after the very first moment when he opens the door, his face is just totally dark, so he's just like almost a silhouetted figure in there, and he's talking to her about, you know, how they did the right thing, because what they're talking about is the confession tape, and how they could do that to Hank and Marie, and Walt's assuring her, it was the right call, it'll work, trust me, nothing will come of this, etc., and it's really interesting how they just set up the light in that scene because Walt is totally in the dark. You almost get the sort of uh, devil on your shoulder impression from him. And as Skylar turns to face him, she becomes two-faced in the sense that the light is on half of her face and so half of her face is illuminated and half of it is totally in the shadow so you can't even see it. And I think that's really, really well done. And then I don't know exactly what to make of the very end, but Walt walks out. And then Skyler like takes one last turn towards the window, and you can see her whole face illuminated again. I think what we're take what we're supposed to take away from that is just the sort of malevolent influence in Skyler's life that Walt has been. And we can certainly fault Skyler, and we should fault Skyler for the choices that she is now making um, of her own free will to participate and be complicit in what Walt is doing. But that's not to discount the influence that he had in bringing her to this point, where she has the opportunity to make that free choice in the first place. Yeah, this is a super good pull from you. I didn't even remember this scene in the show. I think because it's a pretty minor scene yeah. in, you know, on its face, but I think to your point, it has a lot of depth to it that just it further illustrates why the show is so good. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was wondering as I was looking at it, I was like, is this a little bit too on the nose? But the fact no, that No, I think it, I think it was done purposefully. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I I think it's definitely done purposely, but like I was like is this like a little bit too obvious like I don't know, should I criticize it because it's just a little bit too much? But the fact that, like you said, it's such a minor scene, I think people can overlook it. And it's not on the nose because it just it happens very quickly. It's a short scene. Yeah. It's brief. 
And you could, you know, if you're washing the show while folding laundry or whatever, you could really not see any of it. Yeah, no, totally agree. Okay, let's go to best moment. Yours is this uh, scene where uh, close to the end of the sh- uh, the uh, episode where Jesse barges in on Saul and gets him to admit that he did indeed have Huel lift the ricin. What? I don't know what happened here. What did I do? You stole off me. You and him just took a rod out of my pocket, didn't you? Whoa, 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 calm down. Yes. Okay, I had you lift your dope. I told you I couldn't risk the guy not taking you. No! Before the cigarettes, you stole the cigarette. What? The ricin cigarettes! You had him steal it off of me! And over that asshole, Mr. White! He poisoned Brock! He poisoned Brock, and you, you helped him! Okay, Jesse, calm down. Say it again! Tell me one more time to calm down. Come on. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. I had he will lift your cigarette, but what made me? This is just a different side of Jesse that I really like. We don't often see him in complete control in a scene. And oftentimes he's going up against like really heavy hitters, not just acting. And of course, Aaron Paul can hold his own against all the actors in the show. But the character of Jesse is often the one who is sort of beaten up if there is if there's someone in the scene who's beaten up it's oftentimes totally which is super sad and it's it's just sort of this this best moment for me is more of like a shocking moment than anything else just to see him really like kick down the door of Saul's office like burst past gigantic and then basically beat Saul into submission to get him to admit I think I also love this moment too because even amidst this intense drama, we still get the classic Saul, which is like, okay, I took your dope. Like he doesn't even know, you know, like what, what we're talking, what he's talking about. So it's just, it's, it's more one of those things. It's just was a little bit surprising even on a rewatch. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's kind of satisfying for the viewer when a character who is constantly downtrodden and who the viewer almost always sides with finally gets the upper hand and is able to kind of stick it to these rather weaselly shadowy characters who have uh, been able to get the better of him for so long. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Well, my best moment is the same as your best writing. So we can talk about that real quick, but it is this taped confession. I think this just, it it hits so powerfully and I'm maybe cheating a little bit by picking as a moment because it's a rather extended scene and there's a lot to break down here, but I'll just play a little excerpt of the confession itself. Hank had a partner, a businessman named Gustavo Fring. Hank sold me into servitude to this man. And when I tried to quit, Fring threatened my family. I didn't know where to turn. Eventually, Hank and Fring had a falling out, and things escalated. Fring was able to arrange, uh, I guess, I guess you call it a hit on Hank, and it failed. But Hank was seriously injured, and I wound up paying his medical bills, which amounted to a little over $177,000. So I, I picked this as best moment, and I'd love to hear your your case for best writing as well. But I picked this because of some of the things we were saying in the beginning. As we're watching this, especially first-time watch, we are feeling the same sort of like visceral frustration, certainly less in magnitude than Hank would, but the same type of visceral frustration that Hank is as he's watching it. Like, we want Walt to go down and to pay for what he's done and to see justice, and that is what Hank wants. And yet, we're watching this, seeing one of the heroes of the film all of a sudden receive all the blame for it in, and this is the most frustrating part, in a very plausible way. 
And that's what Hank realizes when he tells Marie, this is it. Like, they won. This is all they need, especially when he finds out about the $177,000. And I left that part in there because I wanted to remind viewers, this is where Hank finds out about it for the first time, which is a major, major problem, he realizes, because it means that Hank's got him in his back pocket. It's done. Yeah, this this the reason I picked it as best writing, and I, I totally agree with your sentiment on best best moment, but the reason I picked it for best writing is because it's such a smart way to reveal information and move the plot forward at the same time. So again, you're right. You hear that information that Hank is hearing for the first time. We as the audience know that Walt and Skyler have paid for his medical bills. He doesn't know that. And that's going to be a huge problem because now his medical bills have been paid for by drug money, which is not good. And for him to like feign that he didn't, you know, know, even if he was able to turn it on Walt, that's just not going to work. So you're getting information revealed to characters in the scene. But I also love that Walt is able to, you know, plausibly, as you said, state some of these facts. And I think that, you know, him being able to do that in such a clever way, which is like this blackmail confession delivered on DVD circa 2013. That's right. <laughs> I think it's just it's just really smartly done. And I think that this again, when I think about these these best whatever writing moment or scene, I think about things that are going to totally drive the plot forward. And this will have repercussions for episodes to come because without this confession, they're still sort of locked in a in a stalemate. But this sort of gives Walt the upper hand for the time. And Hank has to then reconsider how is he possibly going to catch Walt and bring him to justice? And we'll see that that thought process come to fruition in the next episode and the episode after that and the episode after that. So I think that's really important. Well, the only other thing I'll add to what you said, agreeing, agreeing with everything that you did say, is that this also, in a way, sort of states the beauty of the writing of the whole show because it, it speaks to the coherence uh, of, of everything that's come before this, that it can fit together this neatly in a narrative that I, as a viewer, the first time through, never saw coming. I never thought, oh yeah, Walt can always just make a video blaming Hank for everything. And then, like, here you are, the writers of the show are showing me this video where Walt can plausibly blame Hank for everything. And that's just astounding. Right. I also love how he's like, he put out this, what you would call a hit <laughs> with I, his I, business partner, Gustavo <laughs> Fring. It was like everything he was saying. I mean, again, we've talked about how Walt is, Walt, the character, is not a great actor, but this is not a bad job. No, not so at all. So you have to hand it to him. The other thing I'll say, too, you know, the other flip side of this, it's not just the writing of the confession, which is very, very strong and, and very smartly done. It's sort of the writing of the reaction of Hank and Marie, because they're just sitting there in like stunned silence. And you have to imagine that some of their stage direction is written into the script by the writer and by the, you know, the director was obviously, you know, directing them as well, but just sort of like their measured reaction, but at the same time, just like horrified faces. I think you can partly attribute to writing as well. And I will point out that Marie is wearing black. She's done yes. with the purple. She's mourning. Yep, exactly. I mean, yep. with, with yeah, good yeah. reason. There's a lot to mourn here. Um, so my best writing, a very, very small thing. But when Hank leaves the DEA offices because he has to take care of something and he's going, um, uh, I think he's going at this point to the dinner with uh, Skyler and Walt, she asks him if he'll be back. 
And he says, no. And the interesting thing is, like, she's asking, will you be back for your 3 o'clock meeting, your, you know, whatever. Um, he says, no, but unless I'm mistaken, this is the last time that Hank actually sets foot in the DEA offices, period. And yeah. so I like that little kind of foreshadowing within the writing itself. We all think, yeah. oh, she's asking, will you be back for your afternoon meeting? And actually what she's asking and he's saying is, I'm never going to be back. Um, and that only makes sense kind of knowing what's to come. And I don't want to talk too much about that and spoil it for people who are watching with us the first time as they go through. But I thought that was a really, uh, really kind of nice sleight of hand by the writers. Yeah. And we'll never, his three o'clock meeting will never happen. Never happen. Poor yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> or poor girl. I can't remember who, who he's meeting with. But yeah, I don't yeah, even that's... think she says, I forget. Um, what but a that's it. So we did our NIST to pick, uh, already we kind of weave those into the earlier stuff. So now we are down to our MVP tally. I will punt this to you first, Josh, because quite frankly, I am still on the fence. But uh, you're on the fence. I, I have a I have a clear uh, clear winner here. Okay, for me. go for it. I'm gonna go with Jesse, and it's not just because he won an Emmy for this episode, but he has so many nuanced moments in this episode. He has moments where he's you know able to feel in control, where he's vulnerable, and again, his whole subplot just drives the the plot of this forward. You know his his idea of being disenfranchised with Walt finally just like reaching that boiling point is going to be the, the driver of these last five episodes of the show. And so without that, without his, his kind of calling Walt on the BS in the desert and then into the sort of confrontation with Saul. And then we didn't even talk about the gasoline dousing of Walt's house. You know, that's going to, Everything from there is is going to be everything after this is going to be derived from from Jesse. So, you know, I think that he and he also like Aaron Paul just knocks this one out of the park. Yeah, great point. You've convinced me. I will also go with Jesse. Um, and I think that, uh, again, giving Betsy Brandt due recognition as, you know, having a, a standout acting performance. Uh, I think that Jesse also, like you said, propels it forward. I mean, I was between Jesse and Walt uh, in part because or basically exclusively because of Walt's confession tape and how that sort of sets up uh, Walt's, well, it is Walt's next chess move, which sets up the subsequent chess moves, et cetera. But I think the biggest problem in this whole thing is really Jesse realizing the rice in, going back to Saul, doing the gasoline, et cetera, because that sets up the whole next episode and the one after that for sure. So yeah, I think you're right. So I will give it to Jesse. That's two votes now for Jesse. That actually ties him at the top with Walt. So 28 versus 28 as we head into later this week, season five, episode 12, Rabid Dog. For a sub character like Marie, having five MVP votes is, you know, throughout the series, not too bad. Totally agree. Yeah. She's comfortably in like fifth place, I think. Yeah, which place, is which is like surprising that. just like given the sort of lack of prominence for her character. And I think, yeah. again, it speaks to Betsy Brandt's uh, abilities to... Definitely. To meet the challenge of being alongside all these stars. Well, did we miss anything else, Josh? I think that's everything from this episode. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Breaking Pod. We'll be back later this week with Season 5, Episode 12. We'll release that on uh, Wednesday, a day ahead of our normal Thursday schedule, so that if you're driving to uh, Thanksgiving, you can listen to our podcast, um, or maybe driving back on Black Friday or something, you do that, or... Um, or even better yet, sharing with your family and friends that whether you're in person or over Zoom, tell them about our podcast. Get them into the show. Hey, there you go. Exactly. So we'll release that on Wednesday. So you've got this one today and Rabbit Dog is coming on Wednesday. And we'll be back to our normal schedule the week after that. We are coming down to the wire here. If we missed anything, breaking pod at vernacularpodcast.com. 
Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what we missed or what we uh, what you liked that we covered, what, we, what you didn't like that we covered, etc. Um, and uh, if you have any thoughts on our upcoming episodes as we round out season five, let us know. BreakingPod at VernacularPodcast.com. Have a great Thanksgiving. And until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Josh. Have a great week. <laughs>